You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. We're talking this hour about election 2016, the campaigns heating up as we get into the fall, headed toward November. Donald Trump might be the first modern Republican nominee to be labeled by many conservatives as having contempt for the free market. Critics on the right point to his protectionist trade policies and his brand of populist politics. And some libertarians, like my next guest, also question whether Trump's aggressive stance on immigration is consistent with conservative ideals. Is Donald Trump a conservative? Is he a decent representative of the conservative party in this country? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. We're still also talking about Donald Trump and his comments uh, recently about African-Americans the, saying they got nothing to lose by joining in uh, with those who are supporting Donald Trump here to talk with me about that side of the political spectrum this fall is Sheikha Dalmia. She is a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation and a former editorial writer at the Detroit News. You can find her work at Reason.com. Uh, Sheikha, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm glad uh, we got you here and I've wanted to have you on for a, a bit because I think uh, libertarians have a really interesting sort of place to, to sort of occupy during this uh, during this election. Obviously, as conservatives, they would naturally sort of gravitate toward the Republican Party, but you've got this bizarre and irrational candidate uh, representing the party <laughs> this year, which has sent, I think, libertarians uh, more than even other Republicans sort of out into some other space. So I, I, I was, I've been very curious about how you see Donald Trump's candidacy, the Republican Party, and this election sort of shaping up. Um, so, you know, you summarized it really well, Stephen. Uh, libertarians and conservatives have something, have had something called a conservatarian alliance, yeah. <laughs> which has been a somewhat uneasy alliance yes. uh, since its inception and for a whole host of reasons. But one of the things that attracted libertarians to the conservative party was that, uh, you know, unlike Democrats, they were not, at least they didn't pay, they paid lip service to sort of a small limited government agenda that wasn't based on sort of liberal, big liberal tax and spend policies. Right. Uh, so they were attracted to sort of the fiscally conservative free market agenda of the Republican Party, even as they had a great, you know, a whole lot of qualms about the socially conservative side sure. of, of uh, uh, conservatives. In the last 15 years, this alliance has been slowly fraying ever since 9-11. One was the rise of the neoconservative, you know, the war wing of the party, sure. which libertarians have always been uneasy with because as they see it, war is kind of the health of the state. Mm. Uh, and uh, that and after the Patriot Act was uh, passed, uh, conservatives have actually become sort of the surveillance party. Right. You know, they begin, they believe in like big <laughs> government surveillance of the kind that, you know, you hadn't seen in a long time. So this was already fraying. Now, with Donald Trump, I mean, he is the anti-libertarian yeah, candidate, right? right? I mean, <laughs> there's not, nothing for you to like. There. There's nothing for us to like about him on uh, entitlement spending, which used to be sort of something that libertarians were attracted to. He is an entitlement spending candidate, but more than that, his anti-trade. I mean, he is sort of the protectionist on steroids. Uh, he is Pat Buchanan, who yeah. was who owned the protectionist wing of the Republican Party. He has taken 
uh, Pat Buchanan and uh, amplified it. Double down. Yeah, double down on it. Uh... And then, for me personally, the issue that I write about a lot is immigration. I mean, his restrictionism will unleash the kind of police state that we haven't seen in a long time if yeah. he stays true to a lot of what he's been promising, which it seems he may not be. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so from our standpoint, there's really nothing to like about Donald Trump. One of the things that that's I think interesting about the way you see things is. Uh, you consider yourself a conservative. Uh, 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 well, I mean, <laughs> she's shaking her head no. <laughs> Never have. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, as a libertarian, I mean, there's a there's a conservatism, I guess, that, that sort of undergirds uh, uh, the, 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 the political, well, I, your, your place on the political spectrum. Well, I right? would put it, uh, you know, differently, that there's a libertarianism that undergirds the conservative That undergirds conservatism, okay, which enough. is, and which has, uh, you know, to the extent that it existed, it existed with Paul Ryan. Right. You know, he was right. kind of a semi-attractive candidate to us. Yeah. You know, he was talking the right talk. He was deregulation. He was uh, entitlement reform. He didn't like Obamacare. We don't like Obamacare. Right. Libertarians yeah. do and he wanted, you know, repeal and reform Obamacare. We were all, you know, we were all quite sympathetic to that. Yeah. Now, that has all gone. I mean, there is nothing about that that Donald well, Trump I guess that's has rejected my, the conservative project. Right. And I guess that's, that's, that's sort of where I was going was you don't see anything conservative, for instance, about uh, an immigration policy that adds a religious test. Uh, no. and says, you know, Muslims uh, are going to have to wait or, or not be admitted. Uh, you don't see anything conservative about building a wall across uh, the southern border of the United States. And at the same time, you have people who call themselves conservatives inside the Republican Party who support these kind of these kind of positions. That's right. I mean, and that's why this had been a very uneasy alliance. And to the extent that, you know, the semi-nationalist wing of the Republican Party could be kept at bay, there was, you know, some conservative libertarian alliance possible. Now that has gone. And let me just say one thing here, which is that, uh, you know, with the rise of the kind of hard nationalism that you see with Donald Trump, uh, you know, that's unique. But conservatives, even before the, his rise, had been flirting with a sort of soft nationalism. The New York Times conservative columnist Ross Dowdhead yeah. and Rehan Salam of National Review had written a book about this. And in fact, they recently wrote another op-ed in the New York Times saying that the way to ward off Trump, the hard nationalism of Trump, is to have kind of a soft nationalism, which is protectionist right. and also restrictionist. Yeah. They just don't want to go as far as... <laughs> Trump. And that was already a little, you know, too much for uh, libertarians. And now with the rise of Trump, uh, yeah. you know, it's just all bad news. Well, that's a good it's a good example of a criticism that I've uh, sort of articulated a couple times uh, this this cycle about uh, the Republican Party having courted uh, this not this this trouble with Donald Trump by going just up to the line of where he is and sort of retreating and then saying, well, we're not like we're not in that same space. But of course, then he comes along and is full throated about it. And people who were supporting that sort of half step uh, toward that direction are are all in that. You know, I it's funny you should say that because uh, a couple of months ago, I had written a column saying the silver lining of Donald Trump. And the silver lining was that he was putting an ugly face 
to the kinds of policies that libertarians, you know, don't like. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the nationalism, the protectionism, the restrictionism, he had done, he has done sort of, in my view, you know, what I call truth in advertising, in that he has laid bare the kind of big, big government aspects of these, par- of these policies, the police state that's going to be required if you're going to throw out 11 million people right. from this country. <laughs> right. I mean, it's unimaginable. Yeah. The kind of raids on employers that are going to be required to, you know, ferret these people out. Uh, so he has been pretty explicit about it. He speaks in the language of a tyrant. Yeah. So it's very difficult now to separate restrictionism from an outright tyranny which Donald Trump represents. So so he has kind of like made that connection very clear yeah, in yeah. my view. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about uh, election 2016, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, and we will get to Gary Johnson, the libertarian <laughs> candidate uh, for president. I've got a libertarian in the studio today. We'll talk about his candidacy and whether he can play uh, an important or significant role uh, in November. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Mark and Fern David in Detroit, Scott in Birmingham, Pat in Detroit. We will get to your calls. We'll be right back. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Sheikha Dalmia. She is a senior analyst at Reason Foundation and a former editorial writer here at the Detroit News. We're talking about election 2016. Uh, if you want to join us, give us a call, 313-577-1019. Talk about your sense of where we are with the candidates uh, and November staring us right in the window just a few months away. Uh, Sheikha, let's talk about... Uh, Kerry Johnson, who is uh, the libertarian candidate for president, he doesn't get a lot of attention. I get a lot of criticism <laughs> on the show uh, via email and other ways. People saying I don't talk enough about him. Uh, but but you're a, you're a libertarian. T- tell me how attractive a candidate he is for you. Uh, you know, um, I actually think Gary Johnson is a very attractive candidate because for a whole number of reasons, partly intrinsically, he's a sensible libertarian. I actually called him a champion of a pra- pragmatic champion of liberty last time he ran. Uh, you know, he stays away from all kinds of libertarian ho- hobby horses of, you know, let's audit the Fed or let's abolish the Fed, which was a big part of the Ron Paul message. He stays to sticks with bread and butter issues with a drug legalization thrown for good measure, yeah. which is all great, <laughs> uh, which, which is all great. But um, so, you know, I think he's a, he's and it's not a coincidence that a lot of prominent Republicans have actually said they are thinking about Gary Johnson. Sure. Uh, you know, Bill Crystal, who's a good friend of mine, uh-huh. and uh-huh. I did not imagine in a million years that he would ever tweet <laughs> that he's seriously thinking about Gary Johnson. And he is. Jeb Bush has come out and said, especially yeah. with the choice of Bill Welt, yeah. uh, right. you know, uh, Bill, right, as you his know, vice presidential Weld, as his candidate. Wi- uh, vice yeah. presidential candidate, and uh, you know, Bill Weld has been an attractive candidate to certain kind of you know smart. Uh, practical sure. conservative for a long time. So they are clearly going for that vote. So I think it's a very attractive ticket. Yeah. But, you know... Uh, <laughs> but but you're... <laughs> you admitted this during the break. I want to make you say it on the air. Uh, <laughs> you, you're leaning toward a vote 
for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm not quite there, but I'm giving uh, Hillary serious consideration this yeah. time. Uh, and this is ironic because I think, uh, you know, Gary Johnson has never looked uh, this good by in comparison to the two options that we have right uh -huh. now. But in my view, um, you know, and I'm, this is going to come out in print, so I might as well say it now. The reason I'm thinking about Hillary Clinton is not because I think she's a great candidate. I mean, there is, you know, the prospect of low-level corruption that, you know, haunts the Clintons sure. wherever they go. And you are seeing this in the email scandal and, you know, the Clinton Foundation fundraising and what have you. But, and she is ideologically, you know, she's big government. She's programmatic. I mean, she constantly lists this progr government programs that she wants yeah. to fix this. See, I mean, that. That, appeals, that appeals to me. I, yeah, well, yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough, fair look, enough. Government yeah. is a tool to solve problems, but right, but, I, but I see enough. how as a libertarian that Yeah, that so it's not, it's not the kind of thing that appeals to me. And yeah. yet I'm thinking of, seriously thinking of Hillary Clinton because to me, you know, uh, she's a garden variety politician. She responds to checks and balances. Mm -hmm. She's not out of control. Uh, she doesn't have impulse control problems like, uh, you know, Donald Trump ha has. She's not going to, I think, start a nuclear war in the world with him. <laughs> all bets we are. We don't know. We right? don't know. We yeah. don't know. But I mean, at least, you know, there's some cushion there. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Donald Trump, I mean, he I see as a sort of a tyrant who poses something of an existential threat to the kind of the way we have governed in this country. Uh, you know, he, I, you know, I, I'm not sure he knows the Constitution exists, yeah. much less, you know, what's in it. Or how it works. Or, or, or how it works. Yeah. I mean, the checks and balances is sort of a foreign notion to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so f just for that reason, I mean, I compare her to a slow-growing cancer and him to an instant heart attack <laughs> that'll kill you. And with a, a slow, great analogy. And with a slow-growing cancer, there's hope for a cure. With him, yeah. you die instantly. And so for that right. reason, I'm thinking of her. Picking slow death okay <laughs> uh, let's let's go to the phones here mark in ferndale welcome to detroit today yeah hi thanks um yeah i guess i just am responding to uh the governor's comment about hillary being the governor blanchard on. yeah uh -huh. yes go ahead. Uh, i just think that um as was clearly established in the congressional testimony between gowdy and uh comey i mean hillary unequivocally lied you know numerous times and she obviously Stated by eliminating 30,000 emails that she called personal. Yeah. I guess it, it just appears to me that, you know, her strategy is to, you know, lie and obfuscate and then call everything a witch hunt and say people are out to get me, when in reality she was labeled, I believe, extremely careless by the FBI. I don't see that. I don't see how that entitles you to a big victory lap, I guess. Sure. Uh, uh, Mark, so so is that enough for you to say, yeah, I can't vote for her. I got I, I to gotta vote for Donald Trump? Is that uh, where you are? Not quite. No? Not quite. <laughs> because I, uh, while, while I think Donald Trump, regardless of what he says, would be subject to checks and balances, whether he knows what they are or not, he would be. And um, sure. I think Hillary's perspective of a potential air war in Syria is as likely to cause some kind of proxy war with the Russians. So I'm, I'm nervous about her, but to be honest, I'm leaning a lot towards Gary Johnson, towards Gary actually, Johnson. because Ooh. I'm not going to be cowed by the standard rhetoric of today, which is if you don't vote for this person, you're by proxy you're, uh, voting right. for that person, yeah. which I'm a little sick of. But, well, as usual, thanks for taking my call. No, 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 no problem. Thank thanks very much for the call. Uh, Mark, let's go to David in Detroit. David, 
Welcome to Detroit Today. How are you doing today, Steve? Good. How are you? All right. Well, I, first, um, I would like to say thank you to um, Governor Blanchard. Uh-huh. Because I, met Go- I met Governor Blanchard back a while back when we had a terrible uh, airplane crash on night on on ninety four. Oh wow! That's a, and, that's and he a was a, and he was a good governor. He was a good governor, uh-huh. and you know he recognized me. And then again, after recognizing me, he helped me get a job for Wayne County Road Commission. Uh, me being a black man in the city of Detroit, I made mistakes. I went to prison. I did 12 years in prison. Wow. I came out of prison. Governor Granholm had a, a program, had no worker left behind. I got into that program. Now I'm up here in Ann Arbor in a truck, married, with a um, nice job. <laughs> I shouldn't say job, career. Yeah, right. To take care Even of my better. family. <laughs> yeah. So when, when Donald Trump asked, what will he do for black America and what will the Democrats do for black America? Well, I'm living proof of what the Democrats have done for black America. Yeah, yeah David, that's a great that's a great story. I'm glad you called uh, to share that. Uh, Sheikha Dalmio, we were talking earlier about uh, Donald Trump's overture to African-Americans, I guess, if you could. If you can call that uh, an overture, uh, and and I think David makes a good point that that for a lot of African Americans, you can point specifically to programs uh, that Democrats have uh, have uh, created or or supported that that change opportunity. Uh, David's uh, no worker left behind example is just one of them. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, um, you know, as uh, as you and I were talking. Uh, I, to this extent, I agree with Donald Trump that uh, liberal policies, uh, democratic liberal policies, haven't really served uh, the African-American community in inner cities well. Say one, uh, one party towns like Detroit mm-hmm. or Baltimore, yeah. you know, haven't fared all that well with under decades of liberal rule. So there is an issue. On the other hand, what Trump wants to replace, uh, you know, friendly big government programs that don't work with is the oppressive, you know, police state. <laughs> police state I right. mean, he's he's declared himself the law and order candidate. Uh, you know, which means basically doubling down on the over incarceration yeah, and the over conviction of and and he is you know just throwing in a little school choice and a little vouchers. Okay, it's fine <laughs> with me, but you know that cannot undo the vast damage that the incarceration state causes in this country yeah. and has decimated black communities. And to the extent that he's towing that line, I don't see how he can appeal to the black community. Yeah, I I, I have gotten uh, some blowback for. Saying, for instance, that when he says law and order, the way he says it in yeah. the context, that is what he's talking that about. That is what he's talking is about. He's doubling down on, on these really aggressive policing policies and prosecutions and incarceration. Uh, and that, 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 you can't say that and then in the next breath say, what do you have to lose? Right. Yeah. You know, I, it's, you know that comment to me uh, is really not meant for the black uh, black community. Right. It is really meant for his suburban voters, white suburban voters, to show them that, hey, the problem is not me. The problem is blacks who are in the pocket of Democrats. Yeah. I mean, that's the you know subliminal message of, of that statement. It's really not a pitch to black voters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's take one more call here quickly. We've got about a minute left. Pat in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. 
Uh, thanks, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Hey, Stephen, I just if you just forget about the election and Republicans and Donald Trump, mm-hmm. you just look objectively at the data, starting in 1965, public housing to today. I mean, I think you'd have to say, with respect to education, some economic opportunity, poverty elimination, that this democratic approach of, you know, in general, entitlement, Department of Education, quotas, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Pat, I would push back on that, obviously, and say that, that there's a lot of Republicans involved in thwarting those programs that I think is, is responsible. But, but of course, we're out of time today. But I do appreciate your call and uh, tossing that into the mix. Like, late, uh, Sheikha Dalmi, a senior analyst, Reason Foundation, former editorial writer at the Detroit News. Thanks for being here. Thanks for we'll having have me you on. back before the election. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 Detroit, uh, Wayne State's public radio station. I'll see you tomorrow.